Hey everyone, welcome to Jojo's World. Good evening and a big hurrah. Good evening and a big hug to all the Jojo's World listeners out there. I'm hugging you with my voice in your ears. It's a nice relaxing podcast time with me, Liam S. Smith, one of your co-hosts. And I'm Nick Ballantyne, the other one of the co-hosts who isn't hugging so much as just... Gently caressing. Yeah, just pressing my hands ever so slightly against... Your eardrums. I am with my voice doing that thing where I hover my index finger in between your eyes so it feels weird and tingly. What are you talking about? (laughs) No! I did not know that was a thing and I don't ever want to know it again. (laughs) And you can't do it to yourself. That's bullshit. (laughs) Hi. We've we've learned a thing within the first, what, minute of recording. Learning together, it's JoJo's World. Patreon.com slash JoJo's World. (laughs) Give us your money and I'll shoot your dog. Wait, is that a... Are we doing that at like the $500 (laughs) tier? For for $500 a month, I, Liam S. Smith, will shoot your dog. (laughs) (laughs) He'll come to your house, tickets paid by Patreon dollars, Mm -hmm. bam! Oh, plus expenses. Oh, of course, of course. Uh, all those big hotels that we'll stay at, like uh, the Duxton, uh, the Fish Clown. You know these places in Perth, don't of you? Of course. Today, on this, our JoJo's Bizarre Adventure recap and discussion podcast, we watched and will soon talk about the 12th episode of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Adventure, yep. Adventure, yep. JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Builder. Mm-hmm. Um, bench Press, that's nothing. Okay, uh, 12th <laughs> episode of Part 5. Golden Wind, aka Vento Oreo, which is the 125th milestone mm-hmm. episode of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, which makes it the 125th episode of our podcast if you don't include things like the JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Retrospective Spectacular, which is at the end of parts one through three. Which I which do. I don't. Uh, oh, <laughs> shit. So congratulations, Nick. I'd like to shake you by the hand. Oh, excellent. Great. Never touch me again. Wait, what episode is this? 125. 125. So, that's divisible by five. Also not counting the Rohan Kishibe OVAs. Oh yeah, true. True. So we've done like a hundred... He said, jerking the wheel out of Nick's hand to stop him from talking about (laughs) mathematics. So that means that we've done like 128? Give or take. That's divisible by two, four, This episode covers chapters 478 through 481 of the original manga of Jojo's Bizarre Adventure, starring Giorno Giovanna as himself. There's something I don't like about Giorno. But I find that you just can't help but like him. He's a real lucky boy. You know who I can't help but like, Liam? Bruno Bucciarati. Is our beautiful patron. Yeah, that's right. I get that. Uh, who? Segway. I hope I pronounced this correctly because if I don't, he'll sue me. Uh, mm, it's true. They have they have that power. Yeah. Daniel Kauth. Daniel Kauth. 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 Daniel Kauth. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he really gets in your throat. You know, Daniel Kauth. That's all I got with his name. Okay, I can't okay. think of anything. Thanks, Daniel, for your dollary dues, which help us cover our costs and help us keep making episodes on a regular basis when life really just wants to push us down the stairs. And man, let me tell you, life right now is pushing me down the biggest... You know those unlimited stairs in Gosh, Super Mario? Gosh, I sure did love editing our discussion about the federal election last week, the day oh. after the federal election, when I was very disappointed with the results. Oh my god. Okay, so like, I can't tell you what's happening at my job right now, but needless to say... Fucking people, man. <laughs> God damn, I'm seeing these ballot papers and being like, God damn it, man. Why? All I can say is, 
democracy doesn't work. <laughs> Man, you are just looking so depressed right no, now. No, I'm just looking so hard for an appropriate Anakin Skywalker quote. <laughs> Uh, Something there, there from when was... he's sitting in that grassy field with Padme talking about how someone should get everyone to sit down together in a big room and make them agree. I don't think the system works. Yeah, great. Okay. So, uh, Jojo's Bizarre Adventure, part five, Vento Oreo, episode 12, the second order from the boss. You're already disheveled now that we've mentioned the election, aren't you? Yeah, I've wilted visibly. <laughs> You've turned from a... a... A young go-getter into an old jaded man. Yeah, I'm about to turn to dust like someone in, I don't know, some Indiana Jones movie. Oh, like a Nazi in an Indiana Jones movie. (laughs) So anyway, um, some things happened in this episode. Our three friends who all hate each other went on a a fun road trip, trip to a historic landmark. Now, I've never been there, but I've heard about this little place called Pompeii. Ah, it was this cool town that existed in, like, who fucking knows when. Whoville. In Menaced Whoville. by the Grinch who lived atop Mount Vesuvius. <laughs> and it was and all one like... day, he unleashed the fury <laughs> of the earth and destroyed them all. And they were all like, this is what we get for enjoying every other day of the year since Christmas isn't really a thing yet. Well, what would it have been? I don't know the timeline on Pompeii. Uh, it was like... Hey, Nick. Yeah? Shut up. Why? Never talk to me. Why? You and me, we're done professionally. Until Why? I share with you this author's note <gasps> from Hirohika Araki. You've explained everything perfectly. Now, you may recall that um, last episode I read the <clears throat> author's note from volume 51, where Hirohika Araki rang up some construction workers to complain about, about sewage problems, yes. and it was too be continued. And they, apolo- they were very apologetic. Now. Wait, are you telling me they're actually going to finish one of the stories they start? Let's find out. <gasps> Together. Okay, here we go. Thinking about the last five years, I've realised we've had four incidents with construction workers. They certainly think I'm a greenhorn because I've had to put up with all their phony excuses. I deeply respect craftsmen. They have jobs they can be proud of. However, the ones who came to my house must go make trouble somewhere else. With such a state of mind, they can only annoy people. Uh, ellipses, parentheses, of course... I could get a refund by showing the proofs of their shoddy work. End parentheses. Shit, he is he's laying down the ultimatum right now. This seems somehow... I know that these aren't... These are by design not relevant to the content of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Yeah. But this feels even more of a tangent than usual. <laughs> Just him going on this bizarre <laughs> screed about how he hates contractors. Oh, I've had some real cowboys in here, mate. Oh, look at these buttresses. That, that won't hold up the ceiling very long. I'll tell you that much for free. Do you not... Like, when you walk into a room, do you, do you not just go... Oh, that's, some, that's some shoddy craftsmanship right there. Look at this door. This would never pass in my house. Ah, yes. It's like that that one Ghost Hunters show, which was like, uh, it also had an element of home renovations to oh, it. Oh, Doomsday Preppers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in the thing I'm talking about, <laughs> yeah. um, there would be an allegedly haunted house mm-hmm. uh, and they would go through all the ways it's allegedly haunted and then they'd get a home inspector to come through and be like, oh yeah, that door's not mounted properly. That's why it keeps blowing open. Oh, those internet cables are touching the power lines. That's why it's been so weird. Blah, right. blah, blah, blah. And then after that's all happened, they get a medium to come in and be like, oh yeah, I'm definitely sensing a presence. <laughs> so it's like, you know the house isn't haunted. <laughs> and then they bring him in and they're like, but it is very much haunted. Yeah. Now, which one do you believe more? The home inspector. Are you sure? Because, I mean, those mediums, they're really good at their job. I've never seen a medium, on a good day, obviously, that hasn't sensed 
some kind of ghost. <laughs> because ghosts are everywhere, because a lot of people have died. I, I can't remember what it was. I've watched like some YouTube video of uh, a bunch of psychics playing... It was a game about being a psychic. Oh, yes. I think I know the one. Uh, I can't remember what it was. But, like, the whole time they were there, they were like, you know, I am... You know, every time I walk into a house and I sense a ghost, I always just stop. I just sit down and try and commune. And it was, like, that sort of level of commitment for every single one of them. They were like... All of them had a different method. It was like, you know, I pull out my playing cards and I start shuffling because they love the sound. You know, they love the yeah, feeling. Yeah, ghosts love ASMR. Why I'm, are you, I'm why sensing are you trying to a pivot? presence. <laughs> what, what am I pivoting to? <laughs> Into an ASMR JoJo's <laughs> podcast. Uh, and this author's note is, of course, accompanied by a sort of br- bronze sculpture of two faces, and one face has a stick in its mouth, and it looks like it's tickling the ear of the that's other a, one. That's not a stick, that's a pencil, or like a quill. Isn't it? A quill. Yeah, a quill. You know, like like uh like the 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 you know the pens that have the nibs at the end instead a of the ballpoint. Yeah. That's not what a quill is. Well, in its purest <laughs> form. <laughs> if we distill the very essence of a pen down, is it not merely a fancy feather? So the thing is, yeah. um they, they would use the feather and the quill to write because it was like a, a sharp edge. You could do precise etchings with, I guess. Yeah. Why would you not use like a hedgehog quill? Well, they wouldn't be able to pierce it. A kidnap it, would quill. It wouldn't be sharp, would it? Why not? Or it would just be unpleasant to hold, right? Or maybe it's just not long not enough. Not like a whole hedgehog. <laughs> <laughs> just one... Sorry. <laughs> just... <laughs> Just in my mind. Oh yeah, that's what they use to like do do like big shading. They like dip a whole hedgehog in ink and just go. Like, shh, 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 shh. No, I've just got in my mind Sonic the Quill, and it's just this one massive quill. It's all like, oh my god, look! It's like the Sonic the Hedgehog film. They really fucked up the design by just having a quill. It's like, oh my god, what are you? It's just a quill there. I'm Sonic. <laughs> all right, we should probably start this episode. Why? Yeah. Okay. Sure. It's Tuesday, seven a.m. Uh, July 15th. Australian Western Standard Time. Brief recap of last time, our boys Abakio, Giorno and Fugo are driving to Pompeii to go to the house of the tragic poet, find the dog mosaic and get a key for a vehicle that will allow them to transport Trish, the boss's daughter, safely to the boss. Great. Cut to the OP. Two questions. Uh, One, who's the tragic poet? Well, Nick... Okay, yeah. I figured it out. I've solved the riddle of the tragic poet. All you had to do was go to Google. The House of the Tragic Poet, also called the Homeric House or the Iliadic House, is a Roman house in Pompeii, Italy, dating to the 2nd century BCE. The house, or villa, is famous for its elaborate mosaic floors and frescoes depicting scenes from Greek mythology. Oh, like the dog. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, the famous dog from Greek... There is, of course, a famous dog from Greek mythology, at least one, but... Is there? Yeah, a Cerberus. Maybe you've heard of him. I thought he was... Oh, wait, no, he's probably Greek mythology. Or is he Roman mythology? They're the same, essentially. They're not the same. Same archetypes. One of them has Zeus, and the other one has, like, maybe also Zeus. I'm not Jupiter. Totally sure. Yeah. But, of course, Jupiter is three times bigger than Zeus. <laughs> He had to be. Here on this Wikipedia picture, you can see a scene that looks a heck of a lot like the arena of this battle. Yeah, you're not fucking lying. <laughs> that is like the place that we're doing it. Where's, yeah. where's the um the mirror? Probably not there, actually. <laughs> 
Well, there's even a blueprint of, uh, of the layout. Plans of the ancient city of Pompeii. House of the Trading Pope marked by the number 18. Okay, well, that I can't see any 18. I just see a whole bunch of blurred scrolls, so that's good. So but this place exists. So basically, it was a big fancy house with a lot of, uh, a lot of cultural imagery. Right, okay. So it's not like Homer's place or something like that. <laughs> House yeah. of the Tragic Poet, a.k.a. Homer's Pad. <laughs> it's like you walk in there and it's all like, yo, dude, sick party. And you're like, you'll get further into the house, you go... Yeah, toga parties were really in back in the day. <laughs> God damn it. I really walked right into that one, didn't I? So after the opening, they're all driving. The narrator informs us that Pompeii was known to the Romans as a peaceful and prosperous health resort until it was tragically destroyed But Oh, sorry, this is Fugo, not the narrator. <laughs> Whoops. He's the narrator for now. Until it was tragically destroyed by the lapilla and lava from Mount Vesuvius. And then all this shit was left behind. But why? Even now, after the eruption, uh, 1,800 years ago. Uh-huh. Wait, how long? 1,800. That doesn't sound right based on what uh, Wikipedia told us. No, it doesn't, does it? <laughs> well, maybe the house was built it in two. It would be 2,200, if anything, if it was from two centuries BCE. Yeah, but was it Pompeyed? Uh, it Pom- they Pompeyed paradise and put up a parking lot. <laughs> Yeah, maybe, like, Pompeii exploded. Uh, There'll be hell, Pompeii. In, like, 200 AD. And then they were all like... Pompeii exploded, you say? Yeah. Not Vesuvius. God, no. Pompeii. So they're driving. Fugo's given local history, talking about the house of the tragic poet. And Giorno's like, oh, um, sorry, Fugo, but uh, you should have turned left back there. Fugo slams the brakes and is like, you what? You absolute motherfucker. I should have been told earlier. What? You're a terrible narrator. You're you're a you're a right cunt. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you are the living embodiment of shit. <laughs> and I will destroy you. And then Abaki like slams, slaps his hand into the back of the scene. It's like, hey guys, focus up. We're doing a job. And Fugo's all like, it's not about the job. It's about the principle of the matter. It's about the principle of navigation. <laughs> Shotgun navigates. And then the driver picks the music. <laughs> These are the etiquette. Uh, and he's like, uh, keep your shit together, Fugo. We're, we're working. And uh, cut to Abakio's interior monologue. Fugo's always full of rage, but I'm concerned about this newbie, Giorno Giovanna. Fancy that. Why does he have such a grudge against him? <laughs> it's like he's met him, like, he's known for like maybe a few days or something. If Bucciarati insists I treat him well, well then I'll do that. But there's something I don't trust about him. Like he's gonna do something that will get us killed. Like he's <laughs> even now plotting against the boss of the organisation that we are members of. But like, what? <laughs> he's not gonna do anything <laughs> bad. Now we're at Pompeii. Oh. Good, how convenient. They get out, they're taken in the sights. Abakio's like, I haven't been here since I was on a school field trip when I was a kid. There are crows, they walk into big ruins. It's all very... It's That's right, it's back. It's Jojo's Dark Souls Adventure, part three. (laughs) Long time since part two, but it's back. Oh, man. (laughs) Man, imagine like growing up in Rome and then just getting a, a field trip to Pompeii. Everyone there would be all like, but it's all ruins. What? What's the point of ruins? You'd be all like, well, there's a dead guy over there. You'd be like, oh, fuck yes. <laughs> I'm back on board. We see like a, a big broken statue of a centaur. Of a centaur? Mm. Are those uh, the ones with the horse body and the manly, manly head torso? Yep. Okay. So not the minotaur. No. Which I briefly thought of. 
That's almost but not quite the opposite. That's like Bullman. Yep. Yeah. Sure. There's a big broken mirror up ahead. And it's all like, hmm, why is there a mirror in Pompeii? Here, of all places. No one knows. Maybe it'll come in handy later. No one knows who put that mirror there. No one at all. So this, then this whole farce kicks off. The same, the same farce that we saw with Polnareff in the bathroom back in India. Now, we were both like, uh-huh. Yeah. This is happening. Except this time there's three people in the room. Yeah. So Fugo's all like, oh, guys, There's someone tight. behind that pillar over there. I can see them in the mirror. And then the dude emerges from said pillar and he's all like, look out behind you. Well, I think you're really underselling how long it takes where they're just standing there being like, someone's behind us, behind that pillar. Oh, true. And Jono's like, what? I didn't see anyone. And Fugo's like, no, there's only one pillar over there, behind that pillar. And Abakiko's like, yes, there is only one pillar, but I too cannot see anything. Don't you guys see? It's the man. Turns around, points at pillar. He's heading right for us. There's no one there. Whoa. And of course, we know that this is a Luso of the Hitman team. <gasps> a Luso. Oh, sorry, I said that wrong. The Hitman team. Thank you. Thank you. So, Luso uh, is walking towards them in the mirror. But not in reality. What? Whoa. He's like some sort of centerfold. Oh. <laughs> you remember centerfold? The one with no face? Because it yeah. had scarves well, all up well, on its... That, that was the hanged man. Wait, what was Centerfold? The guy who... Oh. The guy I, who I can had... see why you would make that mistake, though. The guy who had claw hands. That's not a name a human would have. <laughs> also known as Jay Guile, depending on which translation you're using. Ah, uh, that's why. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I remember him now. <laughs> Centerfold. And then Polarev murdered him and then spent most of the rest of the adventure coming to grips with that. <sighs> is a murder for a murder okay? Or is a murder for a murder for a murder okay? I miss Polarev. Everyone misses Polnareff. <laughs> like, every day when I go to sleep, I'm like, Polnareff. Polnareff. That name brings me joy. <laughs> oh, man, i got to tell you about a dream I had. Do you, though? Does Dude, anyone ever have to tell someone else about a dream they Dude, had? It was, like, very, very weird because there were just JoJo things every... Okay, so, let me tell you about this dream quickly. Okay. Okay, so I'm in bed. I go to sleep. I wake up. I'm in Italy. It starts off with the narrator being like, here in Italy, we have many industri like industrial things. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? After like two hours of him narrating something to do with Italy, turns out me and Narantia are bricklayers. Oh, you could make Narantia Gerga. Yeah, and he's all like, these fucking bricks, they're just fucking, what is the point of bricks? And I'm like, Narantia, calm down. My hand's all like green and blue, colour shift palette thing. Mm -hmm. Everything else is fine, but I'm different. And I'm all like, hey... Calm it down. Stand power. I bring out like, what's the, the flat thing? It's not a trowel, is it? Sure. Yeah, sure. Fucking whatever. It's a trowel. I have a trowel that my stand is holding. Oh, okay. And we're troweling really fast and that's my stand power. <laughs> Very underwhelming. I know. Is your stand called Men at Work? I think it was actually. No, it wasn't. I think you're, it was. You're just yes-anding me. No, I think it was. Uh, and then some other guy, I think it may have been Pesci. With oh. this weird carrot head. We love Pesci. But he was my supervisor for some reason. And he was all like, oh yeah, then some bloody good bricklaying. You know, you boys are... Well, actually, no, you've kind of missed a bit. Now you tell me, what kind of brick is that? And then I woke up. What a good dream. I don't understand why I dream these dreams. Cool. Okay. Yep. Fugo turns around. He runs towards Giorno and Abakio and shoves them out of the line of the mirror. As we see a sort of shimmer of light cross 
Fugo's body. Schwing. And then he sees the bodies of Abakio and Giorno seem to crumble away into like energy. <gasps> They've been taken. It's a pretty cool sequence. I like it. It's almost as though they are now in the mirror. Whoa. But it's not that. No, it's not at all. <laughs> it's the opposite it's of It's the that. exact opposite. So Fugo's all like, oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. They've disintegrated. Oh, he just killed both of them. I mean, that was pretty quick. Yep. Uh, he has a moment where he's freaking out. Um, you know, standard stuff. And then he's like, where are you? And then Aluzo was like, I'm right here. And then his stand punches Fugo in the face. <laughs> Which I can respect on numerous levels. He knows what he's about. Yeah. When you just are in a mirror and you're like, yoo-hoo, and you just punch a guy. We're going to talk about this stand, man, man in the Mirror, in more detail next episode. But I do want to take a quick moment to chat about its looks. Okay, so shall we start from the top of its body or the bottom of its body? The top of its body. Okay, so it has no hair. It's got a sort of turtle head. It reminds me yeah. of a Koopa Trooper. Yeah, so it's got goggles that are basically... Sunglasses? Like cyberpunk glasses. <laughs> it's it also a... got like bejazzles in an X on its head. For some reason. Rhinestones. Yeah, it's got uh, a turtle beak. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's all black. It's all white. It's all white? I thought it was all black. I'm pretty sure it's all white. Yeah, it's grey. Grey. <laughs> Split the difference. With yeah. black highlights, like a sort of shoulder cape. Which is studded for mm-hmm. some reason. Yep. Then it's got a big gold belt, stealing these colorations from my next City of Heroes character. <laughs> and some tight leather pants. Some tight leather pants. Cool guy. Cool stand. Very strange. More on him next week. And if we forget, annoy Liam about it. I won't. Won't you? No. I never have and I never will. <laughs> Do you have a perfect memory? No. Do you have a good memory? It's fine. Shit, that's better Gets than the me. job done. Uh, it's above me and Araki, so yeah, okay. <laughs> he gets punched in the face and cut to Fugo flashback. He lived in an affluent mansion. So rich. His parents loved him, but they expected the world of him. And why, you ask? Because he's a boy genius. IQ of 152, entered uni at the age of 13. He's a good lad. Kicked out for beating a professor with a four kilogram encyclopedia. Whoa. That's a pretty hefty feat to do. What's his yeah, name is like this, reading this it off is, the page. Yeah, this is a loser reading his dossier on mm. good guys. So he's like, uh... Ah, uh, yes. Fugo. Pan... Is it Pancetta? Panacotta. Panacotta Fugo. Not to be confused with Pancetta Fugo. An entirely different JoJo's Bizarre Adventure character. Exactly. And he's all like, yes, you, uh, you have an IQ of 152. You beat a man to death with a four kilogram encyclopedia. Well then. And you're hanging out with Abakio, the police officer, and this new guy. You called him Giorno. Haven't got any information on him? Probably never will. But let's do the flashback now, because we started it yeah. anyway. Fugo, born rich family. Very, very, very pressure family. So he's developing, developing rage problems at a young age. Mm. And we see him... His dad is sitting in his affluent study reading the newspaper by the fire. With a bottle of port? Yeah. I assume. Port, whiskey, whatever. Something. Uh, and then we see Fugo flick open a flick knife and walk up behind him, raise it in the air, catch his own hand with his other hand. Turn walk, around. And walk away. And his dad never even realised he was there. He had some rage issues, but he always kept them in check. It's like, no, he had some murder issues. Yeah, that's a, that's that's, a lot. That's some Dexter shit, man. Yeah, Fuku's got a dark passenger, represented by Purple Haze. Ah, um, how symbolic. Mm, yes. So he goes to uni. And then we uh, we see him walking along and everyone's all like, eh, who cares who that guy is? Yeah, some kid. So then he's in the library one day. Looking for important case law. 
And because uh, I guess he's studying law. Yeah. Much like a certain Dio Brando. Dio Brando studying case law. Law. He became a lawyer. Did he? Yeah. Oh, I thought he became an asshole. Same difference. Yeah. Fair. Fair. <laughs> We had to get one joke in about lawyers. Yeah, Dio Brando rejected his humanity. He became a lawyer. Yeah, there you go. He sucked the life out of all living things. So he's a lawyer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so he's in this library. High quality comedy. He is in this library. He's looking up obscure case law. And uh, his professor walked in. He's like, ah, Fugo, you're here late, I see. Late again, Fugo. Well, you know. Would you like to be sexually assaulted? And Fugo's all like, no, no thanks. I'm, I'm okay with that. Come round to my house for dinner again. I'll give you the answers on the next test. And he's loosening his tie. And uh, Fugo's all like, no. And no, he, keep, no, he keeps no, no, putting no, his no. hands on Fugo's shoulders and like being real predatory and creepy. Come on, Fugo. Just one quick suck of a dick and you'll be on your so, way to freedom. Fugo keeps muttering like, stop, 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 stop. And then he just loses his shit. Beats the old man down with a four kilogram encyclopedia. Yeah, and we see there's a quote unquote tasteful t- cutaway uh, as, as the savage beating happens. And we cut to like just a couple of Jesus hanging crosses on the wall, which yep. become more and more covered in blood as this savage beating continues. <laughs> He's all like, why? Why did you do this? And just beats him down. I, tr- I looked up to you. You were a father figure to me. A mentor, if you will. And then the next and now shot is... you are a... more of a dementor, sucking the life out of me. A lawyer! <laughs> so, next shot is him being escorted by the police out of the university grounds. And all the other students are like, that's Panacotta Fugo. <gasps> I hear he was really close with one of the professors, if you know what I mean. Oh. He probably led him on to get into uni. Oh. Once again, proving that all bystanders in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure are just the worst. They're all assholes. Yep. Just like lawyers. Fugo didn't go to prison because his rich parents used their money to get him out of it. And then they disowned him. So he's exiled to the streets. Living off street trash like a raccoon. And he's all like... Shoplifting. But this is where his intellect came into the fray. Yes, and we'll get to that in a sec. But sidebar, and this is clearly like why he took pity on Narantia last episode. Because Mm. he was like, oh, yep. I've been there. Street urchin. Dirty trash boy. Oh, I know what I know how to fix that. Come join the mob. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, at that point, was he doing much mob work? Well, I guess he would have been, because yeah. he looked really young. He would have been like 14 at this point. Yeah? Are you talking about Narantia or uh Fugo? So yeah, next time we see Fugo after he's joined the gang, he's wearing that suit we talked about last mm. week where it's the same cut, but the holes are filled in. Right. And that's the same cut that he was wearing when he found Narantia. Gotcha. Enough mob work to get by, you know. Well, we'll get to that because he he's in this restaurant and we see Bruno Bucciarati eating sweet, delicious spaghetti in the restaurant that he hangs out I thought in. he was just eating a sausage. Who gives a shit? I give a shit. Um, Bruno's diet is very important to me. And the 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 waiter is, is manhandling Fugo like, you can't skip out on your bill here, that's illegal, I'll call the police. And then we get like the shit-eating grin of Fugo. <laughs> yeah, you think you think you got me, don't you? Have you ever read the case study of... Yes, if you refer to this obscure whatever. precedent, I think you'll find there's a good chance the courts will decide that, that I did this out of necessity and I will be let go. And the waiter's all like... What a, what a piece of shit. Well, if you're working in the mob and you were thinking... He's not be- yet, though. Oh, sorry. Well, if you're going to become a lawyer, you know. <laughs> so then the waiter is like, Mr. Bucciarati, he's being unfair. 
Does that mean that Bucciarati owns this restaurant? I mean, probably not legally, but, yeah. you know, he's the staple of the community. He's the local mob figure. They mm. all look up to him. They pay him protection. They may as well get True. a service out of it. True. It's like, we're paying you money. You do your job. Yeah. It's like the Yakuza, where it's like, you walk into he's, a building. He's one of those idealised mobsters where... Go on. I don't think this seems unusual. But where, where, yes, he is extorting people for... A cut of their income to quote unquote be protected, but also he is actually giving back to the community. Right, right. So he's a good mobster. Idealized, let's say. Is that, is that idealized though? Yeah. I thought idealized would be you don't pay them anything and they just do crime for you. <laughs> What's like wrong? the ideal situation. That's, here. I'm not saying the ideal situation. But then I'm it's saying the idealized image of the mobster who is, you know, taken money but given back. Yeah. Yeah. Where there is a genuine give and take and it's not just pay me or my associates will burn down your restaurant. To me, that feels more idealised because it's just like, yeah. I feel like you're deliberately misconstruing what no, I'm saying here. No, There's only so many mobsters that can do good in this world. And I think the and Bruno Bucciarati's one of them. Ugh, okay, fine. Bruno gets to be the idealised mobster. I still don't agree, but okay. The, okay, the romanticised mobster, nah, will you pay that? Yeah, I'll pay that. Great, now have we adequately split this hair No! <laughs> so he's picking on me, Bucciarati, and Bucciarati's like, I like you, kid. Right about that time. I'm going to ignore what that mobster said, <laughs> uh, what that waiter said. The waiter's the secret boss all along. And you're quite right. Uh, the narrator cuts in. Bruno Bucciarati was thinking of putting together a team. <laughs> a crack team of Avengers. street rats. <laughs> I just realised that all the people who come work for Bruno, for Bruno are all either street rats or uh, we have a Bacchio who's an ex-cop mm-hmm. or just some random dude he got in a fight with. Wow, Nick, it's almost like, other than the Giorno, there's a sort of thematic link between all these people, the stories trying to impart. Down and out, except for Giorno. Giorno's doing his own thing. He's just killing Stan. Giorno's still like a legit street rat, you know? He lives in his dorm, he steals Pete from people to make his money. He just hasn't had... He's had had his share of personal tragedy, like with that shit with his mum and dad. Well, his dad... And of course, that fun mobster who looked out for him. The fun mobster? Oh, the guy who was always like, hmm, and then just walked away. Yeah, and then yeah. he shot that guy. Oh man, what a lad. So I, I would argue that Giorno, even though even though the way Giorno met Bucciarelli doesn't fit the pattern, mm. his upbringing is, is of a sort with the rest of them. Yeah, yeah. In conclusion, the mob is made of street urchins. Mm. And also Mr. <laughs> And Mister, just this cool layabout who killed some guys. Then was like, "Yup, sounds like stands. an easy life." Yeah. What, what was his backstory again? He just literally he just he he wandered through life. He beat up people in front of the movies for money. Yeah, and then he beat on some dude in front of a lady because he was raping her. Oh, yeah, that's right. And then all his friends got out and started trying to shoot him, and mm. all their bullets missed him. Oh, uh, yeah. And then he shot them all. And then he went to prison. And then he got out of prison and Bruno Bucciarati was there. Like, want to join my team? And he was like, yeah, all right. Man, what a great life. <laughs> Wouldn't you love to stop a lady from getting raped, shoot all the dudes who tried shooting at you, even though they're all missing, and then get to join the mafia? Wouldn't you just love that? <laughs> Wouldn't that be a great life? Bruno Bucciarati was thinking of putting a team together, thereby implying that Fugo was the first one to join him. Mm, but then who joined... Or who hired Bruno? That came out perfectly. Polpo. 
Yes. Yeah, he's dead now. So I guess now Bruno's life is looking real good. <laughs> I feel like we've been over this all in previous episodes. Why? What happened? What's... <laughs> uh, yep, so he joins. Uh, join my team. And Fugo's all like, I'll never join your team. I don't want to bother anyone with my explosive rage. But then Bruno's like, no, join my team and I'll bring out the best in you because I'm Bruno Bucciarati, the idealised mobster. And I'll make you great. Even your explosive rage. And Fugo's like, all right. And he was in. <laughs> yep. End of flashback. <laughs> so. Oh, and then he does the Polpo test and gets his stand, which symbolises his repressed rage. Ah, uh, symbolism. But we'll get to that in a sec. Yep. So... Mirror Man is all like, haha. <laughs> yep. I'm, I'm gonna punch you again. Outside the mirror, the other guys are like, where'd Fugo go? It looked like he just disappeared to me. Yep. And also to me. And Jono's like, hmm, that mirror. There's something so, mystical about it. I, I wanna do this one two punch right now because okay. we're about to cut away from Jono being like, hmm, that mirror. And then when we cut back in like, 10 minutes time, Jordo is like, has lifted up the mirror and is rubbing his face against the backside of it. Like, maybe he's in the mirror. And the Bakus are like, what are you doing? Are you doing? <laughs> so inside the mirror world. Man in the mirror. Eluso uh, is doing a much better job of deducing things uh, than... Any than, other... Well, than Formaggio was doing last time. They were... They're, both arriving at correct conclusions, but uh, Formaggio's Elus logic is a bit more tenuous. Yeah. So Eluzio yeah. is like, okay, so you guys are looking after the boss's daughter. Why would you come to Pompeii? There must be something here that will help you get her to a safe place. Mm -hmm. The dog mosaic is around here. The famous dog mosaic in the house of the tragic painter poet that's not full of mosaics. <laughs> I just love that you're like, you know, his reasoning is a lot better this time around, and then immediately go. So, well, uh, without our extra dog mosaic, without our extra textual knowledge about the layout of the house of the tragic poet and that it's full of mosaics, yeah. If we assume that it's not full of mosaics, it's not unreasonable for him to be like the dog mosaic is near here. That could be a landmark that thing would have been hidden at. Yeah, but didn't we get told in the episode that the whole place was filled with mosaics? No, oh. that was something that I told you from Wikipedia at the start of this episode. Yeah, but I thought also in the episode. No. Oh. Shit! There's a dog mosaic. <laughs> so and a Eluso, bear as well. <laughs> Shut up. Eluso is like, I'll take the thing. And Fugo is like, no. And Eluso is like, I'll kill you. And Fugo is like, no, I'll kill you. Purple haze. And then nothing happens. Yep. Where's Purple Haze? Well, back in reality, Jono's trying to climb into the back of that mirror. He's all like, what if it's in the back? What, what? And then just puts his head against the wall like, what if it's And then Abakio starts screaming like, hey, Jono, get away from that mirror. Come stand by me right now. Come on, quick. Go. Move, 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 move. And Jono's like, what? And he's like, come stand by me. It's really important. And Jono's like, what are you talking about? And Abakio's like, no, over here. Quick. Now, now, now. Move your fucking ass. <laughs> he's just not moving. <laughs> Jono turns around and like, Oh. oh, there's a stand there. Hello, friend. Just sitting on the ground, foaming at the mouth. I don't know if sitting is the right word. Yeah, here. he's sitting. I, I thought he's he was objectively like, sitting. I thought he was like squatting down. No, like his in butt a is on the ground oh. and his knees are up. Oh, okay. Uh, but other than that, he is he's almost in a seated fetal position. Yeah, okay. Not a squatted one. Ah. And he's all like... <laughs> yep. Uh, back in the mirror world, Aluzo's bragging like, I can choose what comes in and out of the mirror world and I didn't bring your stand in. Gonna punch you some more. Man in the mirror. Man in the mirror. Glasses. Mm -hmm. Pow. Then the flashback actually happens in the episode. <laughs> Man, we are doing a great job of timelining this. 
So we get him uh, brutally murdering a man with a four-kilogram encyclopedia. Yep, we've covered that. <laughs> yep. I just needed to reiterate that the specificity of four-kilogram encyclopedia is a little bit ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So Jorno doesn't unreasonably assume that this could be the enemy stand, mm-hmm. but Abakio's all like, no, that's Fugo's stand. It's very dangerous. Get away from it. And Jorno's all like, why? Why do I need to step back? I don't need to step back. What are you doing? There's even a good bit where they're standing basically next to each other, and Abakio's like, Jorno, get further away. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Get further away. From me, I don't like you. <laughs> <laughs> There's something about you I don't like and I just realised what it is. You're bad at taking instructions. <laughs> Fugo only lets out Purple Haze when he's in serious danger because the stand is so dangerous mm. and unpredictable. So... It does some air. It does some shadow boxing. And it's all like, it's just punching the air. And it's making like animalistic noises. We should talk about what it looks like. Okay, so it has a big purple helmet visor. Yeah, it's got a sort of... It's got a sort of, um medieval motif to it almost because it's got a sort of knightly helmet and then a jester's body Does it? yeah i thought it had like a sci-fi look to it because it's got like the purple visor and yeah, like but it's, in, it's in like motley too oh yeah i can't actually see it ah uh, so it's got go. like a knight's helmet shoulder single shoulder cape um spoulders its neck is stitched on to its body and it's got spikes on its, its back. Its mouth is stitched shut. And then, yeah, in motley. And its eyes are bright yellow, like uh, like a Dark Souls boss. Or like or like a the moon a lot from of Majora's good, Mask. A lot of good close-ups on Abakio's beautiful eyes in this episode. Oh my which, god. Um, what's the word where it starts one colour then fades into the gradient? other? Gradient? Yeah, gradients from an orange to a purple. The one where it's like his furrowed brow. He's like, Jorno! <laughs> Just that one close-up shot is like, ooh, hello. Purple haze. It's perpacular. Not a word. I tried. Did you, though? Maybe. This stand has Roman armour and stitching to play up its weirdness. (laughs) Its poison gas ability can do anything, but its hosts consciously restrains it. Fugo is actually a restrained individual. Poisonous gas can do anything? I'd say it can do one thing really, really well. (laughs) You know, it's not really a jack of all poisons, but man, if it jacks that one poison, you're fucked. Jack of all trades, master of none, but better better that than a master of one. And that one is poisoning things with a killer virus. (laughs) So this dude is like punching air. Um, And of course, Purple Haze is a song by Jimi Jimi Hendrix. Hendrix. Purple Haze, one of like my eyes. Big famous good guitar man. Mmm, mmm. It's got a killer riff. Yeah. Do you want to vocalize it? I think it's the one that's all like dun 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 Am I happy or in misery? Whatever it is, that girl put a spell on me. Nice. Talking about weed. Many fans and press interpret the song as referring to a psychedelic experience due to lines such as Purple haze all in my brain and Excuse me while I kiss the sky. (laughs) Oh man. It's a damn good song. So Purple haze is there. He's confused. Abakio is scared of it. Jorno is confused. Fuko is also confused because he doesn't know where his stand is. He's all like... But, but I'm in the mirror world. Where's the stand not in the mirror world? Whoa. What? 
I don't understand why you're so afraid of Fugo's stand. We need to find Fugo. And Abako... Damn it, Jono. Stop talking back to me, shithead. I don't care about you, but I'm trying to be nice. Well, I... This is is me being nice, asshole. Well, I'd care to disagree for a a few reasons. Oh, Uh, no, that that big fight happens later. Oh, does it? Oh, oh, okay. First first they stand around for a while, lit-critting Fugo's stand. (laughs) Um, so, lit critic? What yeah. the fuck is lit critic? Lit- literary criticism. Oh! Because uh, they're talking about like how it, it represents his... Ex- his uh, his It's the personification rep- of his rage. Yeah. Oh, it symbolises mm. the emotions that he represses to stay functional in society. Yeah, you notice those stitches on his mouth? Uh, it's because he never wants to... Uh, do anything bad. The stitches symbolise the the intense effort that he goes through to, mm. to keep it under control. Yeah. You know that big purple visor? Yeah, that's uh, his mask you know for the, society. That big purple visor? It looks real cool. Ah. Ah. Hashtag deep. So it punches a wall and he's like, run, Jono, run! Uh, so when it punches the wall, Jono's all like, okay, so it punched through a wall. Mm. Big fucking deal. Meanwhile, a loser is like, where did this crow corpse come from? So... Man in the mirror, from what I understand it, anything that's living can't get into his mirror world unless he wants it to. So anything dead comes in. But or inanimate objects, um, and I suppose that extends to dead things too, mm. um, are, like are, a, are reflected like a mirror would. Like a dead crow. Mm. Infected by some kind of viral the, well, bacteria. What Purple Haze does is when it's punches something, the orbs on its knuckles shatter, releasing a gas that contains a deadly virus that enters your body via inhalation or skin contact, uh, then basically liquefies your insides, killing you instantly. Mm. It does take like 30 seconds to happen. To fully infect you, but yeah. once, once it's got its hooks in you, you're <laughs> fucked. It's just like a pirate. Once it eats you, you're dead. So these crow... What? <laughs> What? I love how you were just like, so anyway, these guys. Fool on me to assume you would say something that makes sense. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, these night shifts are really getting to me. Explain the thing you said. Well, pirates, they're well known for having scurvy, right? So they want to eat like a whole lot of vitamin C in order not to get scurvy. But they don't have any oranges because oranges weren't really a thing back in the day. So to get enough vitamin C, they'd find other sources of it, including people. And then they'd eat you. I don't think so. Sure they would. Caribbean was a rough place back in the day, man. What about limes? What about limes? What am I, a fucking casual? No, a pirate. Come on. Anyway, back in reality. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, the, these dead crow corpses are getting all goopy and appearing, and he's like, oh, well, the virus can't get in the mirror world anyway. Back in reality. Purple haze drools on its leg and freaks out. And it's all like, ah, ah, and starts trying to clean it off. And it cleans it, and it's like, great, now my leg is clean, but now my wrist is dirty. So it tries like rubbing its wrist together and then both its wrists are dirty and then it licks its wrist and it's yes, my, now my wrists are clean. Oh no, but now there's saliva on my wrists and my knee because I drooled again. Ah! And is like, oh man, it always looks really angry but it's actually really high strung and a bit of a neat freak. Sound familiar? Like Jono. Ah. So Fugo, obviously... If, Fug- just... if Fugo could see it right now, he wouldn't be letting it do that. Which is weird. Does it's this interesting that... that it has a sort of latent personality that yeah. emerges when... Do all the stands, if you can't Fugo see Fugo isn't it... assuming direct control. Yeah, do all the stands have a sort of personality when they're not... I don't think so. I think because, obviously, Fugo has this whole uncontrollable rage aspect. Uh... It's probably reflected in his stand having a bit more of a mind of its own. Uncontrollable. Mm. Stand. <laughs> 
So does that mean that for the rest of the series, will there come a time where we ever see it uh, out of control? Oh, that's a yes. No. Um, oh, that's a yes. So the thing, I, I think I want to tell you this now. Okay. All the right. thing about Fugo and Purple Haze is, this is the only arc where we see it. What? Excuse me? So when he said he rarely uses Purple Haze, he, he wasn't He rarely jo- uses Purple Haze. Right. Okay, then. Well, that's fucking shit. It's arguable that the very specific and very deadly power it has could make it difficult to write around in the same way that Avdol's intense fire powers were difficult to write around, but to an even greater extent. But, like, the fire powers were, it makes fire. And then... That was very useful. Having absolute control over incredibly deadly fire... Turns out it's hard to write a compelling uh, compelling fight scene where that doesn't just immediately take out the enemy. Yeah. That's why that's why Abdul was so often the first one taken out or he died for a while. <laughs> he was just dead. And then, and then he died forever. Yeah. Poor Abdul. It still angers me that that was a thing. <laughs> like, he's just like, he comes back, he's like, hey guys, I'm perfectly fine. Oh, no. Now I've got this new tick. Ah, well this is great. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Weird. So weird. <laughs> so he never comes back again. I don't believe so. Fuck me. Okay. All right. Uh, it's like next episode. It's like, and now we never see him again. <laughs> Fugo like, walks off into the sunset. It's like, oh, so Araki knew what he was uh, going to fail at. So he just decided, oh, maybe he'll die. With a name like Fugo? <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, it's very possible though. Fugo punches the mirror in reality. Bam! It's smashed. Yep. Uh, and then Abakio and Jono have a big fight. And they're all like, listen, we need to leave right now, Says Abakio. Yeah. So Abakio's all like, we need to leave right now. You asshole! You absolute shit. Jono's all like, excuse me, sir, I respectfully disagree. Abakio's all like, you fucking what? How dare you? How dare you? Well, sir, I would like to humbly suggest that we save Fugo because then the three of us can do it together. How about I fucking beat your ass and we leave instead of doing that? So Abakio's opinion is that the mission should take precedent and that uh, the worst outcome is all three of them failing to complete the mission. So while Fugo has this guy busy, they should go get the mission done. Yes. Whereas Jorno thinks that together they are strong. Leave no man behind, etc, etc. And he's like, wouldn't you go back and get someone yourself? And Jorno's all like... Wait, Abakio then. Jono uh, says to Abakio, if you were in that situation, wouldn't you want us to save you? And Abakio was like, no. I'd, I'd want to... The mission. I'd want to finish the mission. Duty. And Jono's all like, I respectfully disagree with your opinion. Mm. You wouldn't do that. You'd want us to come back. Abakio uh, is like, all right, do whatever the fuck you want. Bye. I have seniority here and I say we go. Meanwhile... Fugo's like, I'll never talk. And Aluzo's like, all right, there's two other guys. I'll just fucking kill you now. Big punch winds up to be continued. Aww. We were going so well this app. Mm. Good app. Fucking solid app. What are our highlights and lowlights of this app, Nick? Uh, my highlight was the argument between Abakio and Giorno <laughs> because it sounded so businesslike <laughs> where Abakio's all like, I have seniority here. You will follow this order to the letter. And he's all like, well, I, I would care to disagree with this uh, this analysis, sir. And I would suggest that we do this instead. And Ibaku's like, I'm your boss. How dare you? <laughs> do what I say. Yeah. Bruno's not here to protect you now, Giorno boy. Oh, so good. So good. My highlight was... Uh, Pick a good one. Uh, <laughs> just Giorno behind the mirror. <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah, sure. That's great. Uh, <laughs> just him being like, 
What if he's behind the... What if he's inside... We should probably address the elephant in the room of Mirror World versus... Man in Mirror. Well, Man in the Mirror versus... uh, Man literally The Hanged Man. Yeah. So the Hanged Man is inside... Because if you recall... It was a it was a key key plot point of that battle that Kakuine successfully deduced that there was no mirror world and that he was just a reflection of light appearing yeah. in the mirror. Yeah. Contrast to this power, which creates its own mirror world, mm. drags you into it. Mm. Mm. Interesting. Two Yes. Two um two radically different takes on what is still fundamentally the same power. Yeah. Wait, so how is it not a mirror? Was it the just hanging in the alleyway or something? The ha- what? The hanged man. No, it was in reflections. Yeah. But there was no world within the mirror it existed in. It was just a, a reflection of light that existed upon reflective surfaces. Yeah, but then where was the stand? Upon reflective surfaces. Okay. I'm going to have to go back and rewatch it now because I'm like, how did that work again? So as opposed to the mirror world that exists in this one, which yeah. is pretty easy to conceptualise. Yeah. Like Everything's within. backwards. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh yeah. There's a good bit where Fuka looks at his watch and is like, my watch is backwards. What's that? Brexit isn't happening? Wait, what? Wait, no, Brexit isn't happening anymore, is it? Wait, I'm trying to make a joke about how everything's backwards. Vis-a-vis Brexit? Yeah, because it's like th- they voted for Brexit to happen. And so if it was a world that was backwards, Brexit wouldn't be happening. I mean, I think they're still, their intent is still for it to happen. They just haven't been able to stick the landing. Yeah, and Theresa May's gone now, so that's, mm. you know, yeah. Um, sure, whereas the hanged man... <laughs> It's like, what's that? Brexit is happening. It appeared to it's backwards. It appeared to exist within mirrors. Yes. But as we saw when it transferred itself from reflective surface to reflective surface, it appeared Uh, to just be like a point of light zipping between them. That's right. Yeah. Okay. So this would be inside some mystical backwards world. And the other one was just, no, it's just on a mirror. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Or in a reflection. A puddle even. Yep. A deadly puddle. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, it stabs you in the back, then you get shot in the head. <gasps> Good God. And then you don't die. Low lights. Mm. I also really liked Fugo beating up his uh, professor. Mm. That, no, guy, that, that guy got what was coming to him. Go on, come back and uh, have some dinner. Have some dinner. Let's eat each other. It's like that IT crowd episode where it's like, I found this really good dinner, oh, buddy. Yeah, he's one of those German cannibals. Yeah. And he's all like... One of those Italian cannibals. <laughs> I feel like there's been a bit of a misunderstanding, so I can't eat you. Low lines. Um, God, there's not much to pick from, is there? Mm, good app. Oh, I want to say the low light is Jorno just not fucking moving from Purple Haze. Yeah. Jorno, move. I don't understand what's happening. Jorno, move. Why? Why would I do that? Because you're in danger and I'm shouting really urgently. Yeah, but why am I in danger? What? There's no... Why would I move? Please slowly and clearly explain it to me before I take any action. Damn it, Jono! It's just like, why? Why would you just take so long? Yeah. Uh, And my low light is, um, in a similar vein, Mm -hmm. the really prolonged sequence of Fugo being like, the guy by the pillar. I can see him in the mirror. Look, look, look. So I want a question there. Mm. Was he only visible in the mirror... To Fugo? Or were the other guys just being idiots? I'm not looking at the mirror. Uh, I suspect they just weren't looking in the mirror. Look, I can see him in the mirror, but we're looking around. We don't see him anywhere. Should we look at the mirror? No. No, of course not. It would, it would go he like wouldn't be coming way. from the mirror. That's just ridiculous. No, they would... No, the way a mirror works, Liam... Yeah, it reflects what's in reality. No, the, the, the fucking the angle of light would be different. So they'd see, like... They wouldn't see the pillar, they just see... They're like... all standing basically next to each other. Yeah, but this is JoJo's physics. <laughs> it's like, if you're five feet that way, you're suddenly 20 metres away. So 
like, oh my god. Interesting switch between metric and imperial, Vanik. Well, I felt like I made the mistake once. I should just, you know, get <laughs> back to the superior system. Yeah. So, Nick. What? Well, well, well. <laughs> I love how you start off as like, hey, Nick. Yeah. Welcome to the lair of evil, brother. Hey, Nick. What you want, fam? I'm glad you've joined me here. Oh, I have such games waiting for you. Or like, um... Pachisi. <laughs> like, what, what is Pachisi? It's a board game of some sort. Is it? I thought you were trying to say, um, Yahtzee backwards. Ah, uh, yes. What? Easier. Easy? <laughs> you're Eze. a strange guy, Nick. What can I say? Other than, you're welcome. Fugo's trapped in the mirror world. Giorno and Abakio are confused and near... Purple haze with its incredibly deadly virus. That is correct. Some crows died. Oh shit, yeah, the crows died. Very yeah. painfully by the look of it. Yeah. What will happen next time on JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Part 5, Golden Wind, in the episode entitled, Man in the Mirror and Purple Haze. Hmm. Hmm. Okay, so, Fugo's real smart. Yeah, he's, he's got a high IQ, but arguably a low EQ, and we all know IQ is a flawed measure of intelligence. But is an EQ also a flawed measure? I mean, measure? they're all flawed when held in isolation. Yeah. The point is you have to take a holistic approach to intelligence measure that accounts for cultural differences. But but if all of them are standardised tests and they're all flawed, then how can you have a good holistic view? Well, the point is it provides a more... Com- you, you know just as much, if not more, about psychology than I, I, I do. I did do psych at yes. uni, so... Uh, likewise. Uh, hey! No, but I did my major in psych. Oh, I see. Yeah. Uh, well, uh... One of my many majors. <laughs> it's so useful. I need to stop studying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cuts deep. Um, been there. Uh, yep. Taking a more holistic view at least provides a greater yeah. picture of a person's ability. But maybe the test in of itself is flawed. Maybe. Maybe democracy is just a shitty system to uh, assess the needs of So what of you're people. saying is you don't think the system works. I think... IQ tests are to psychological metrics what democracy is to uh, the systems of government. Speak on that. Flawed in Actually, ex- no, don't. Flawed Let's... in execution, but fine ideas, whatever. It's like you want to make a test, but hard as soon as you to, make it... Hard to it, come up with a better one. I mean, you say that, we could just have, you know, a good Senate, like in Star Wars. <laughs> That's democracy. Oh, I don't know. Oh, well, I don't think that system works. Tell me what's going to happen next time, Nick. On JoJo's World? Yeah. On the ti- on the episode, on our podcast, JoJo's World. On the episode entitled Man in the Mirror versus Purple Haze? Close enough. Okay. Here's what I think. Mm-hmm. Fugo's wicked smart. Uh, he's wicked smart, man. He's my boy. He's like goodwill hunting, but bad to the bone. Uh, he's like Ben Affleck. Wait, no, Nick, he's just not. He's like Matt Damon. Tell me the thing so we can end the fucking episode. I reckon they're going to get his message and then... Somehow his message punching a mirror. Yes, uh, and then somehow they will be able to get purple haze. It's either going to be something like they're going to pull him out of the mirror, mm-hmm. like some kind him of him being a loser or Fugo. Potentially both. Okay. Uh, they'll be able to either pull him out of the mirror, be all like, "Haha, we got you now." Yeah. Or they'll be able to somehow get into the mirror by standing really still or something. <laughs> Nick just like said that, then looked at me and shook his head. <laughs> Apparently it reflects inanimate objects, so if you just stand really still, does that count? (laughs) If I let myself die... If I were to just keel over and just stop breathing... If I become the undead... uh, Maybe it'll be... I happen to have this stone mask from my father. Yeah. What, What if it's something like, it's something really smart, 
that Fugo's come up with. AKA, something really smart that Araki's come up with and gone, yeah. I'm so smart. I'm so smart. I'm going to make him have an IQ of 152. That's how smart this next <laughs> plot point is. Uh, maybe it'll be... How high is 152 compared to the layman? Well, the average is 100. Okay. Menza is 140, from what I remember. 160 is like God tier. 180 is like unheard of, as far as I remember. So he's pretty smart. But he is like, by a certain metric. He is like, holy shit, if you asked him to do something, he would go like, I can figure out how to do it, sure. But if you asked him if he watched Game of Thrones, he'd be all like, Daenerys? Is that is that the queen, Daenerys? And you'd be like, you fucking piece of shit. You don't know anything. Your IQ is 40. I don't know if that would be true. But anyway, point being, they're going to figure out a way from his message, I think, to pull him out of the mirror. Sure. I think that's what will happen. Uh, and then they'll go find the vehicle. What's the vehicle going to be? It's not going to be a boat. That makes sense. It's not going to be a helicopter. Narantia will be so disappointed. Yeah. What if it's a... F- you know, um, the... the hovercrafts you <laughs> sure you know in like what was that james bond film where they were going around in hovercrafts the whole fucking oh thing? the um the one with that sheriff and the big on the big laser side? hey someone gets that oh it's um the one with pierce brosnan in it and he's all like oh i think we're thinking of two different ones oh d- see um it's like <laughs> oh the- sorry there were speed boats in the one i'm thinking of Yes. It was in Florida or something like that. That's why I assume yeah, they no, were fan boats. Yeah, no. In this one, it's like... I think it's the one where he goes to Antarctica for a secret meeting with millionaires. And then it turns out one of them has every single satellite hooked up to a giant Goldeneye? No, I think it might be Tomorrow Never Dies. Oh, the one with the magical ice palace. Yes, yes. that one. And then he's all like, but if I just focus the and, sun... Um, and what's her name was in it? Halle Berry? Yeah. Yeah. Um, As Jinx. Oh my. They were going to give her a spin-off until that movie was so bad. Mmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad they never got a spin-off. And the invisible car. Invisible car? Yeah. It was an invisible car. His car could go invisible. Oh, Jesus. Okay. Anyway, I reckon it'll be like a hovercraft that was at the start of that movie. (laughs) Okay, allegedly. Where the thing that gets me is that they're all in hovercrafts, right? And they start turning their hovercrafts and they just turn. And it's the worst chase vehicle because you keep going straight for a while and then start turning eventually. That means you got to play the long game. Exactly. Strategic chase. So like, tell me what's going to happen next time, Nick. What's the what vehicle dies? are they getting? Hovercraft. Okay. It might be a hovercraft. They're like, why have we got this hovercraft? <gasps> it's like a boat that it's, can go on it's land. It's all the boss could get at short notice. No, I reckon it'll be like a thing where um, it won't be a helicopter because a helicopter would just go off the ground. They'd be like, follow that helicopter. But if it's a hovercraft, it doesn't come off the ground. So no one will be looking to the sky for you because you'll be able to evade things through buildings and whatnot and then go into the ocean or like a lake and just get across it on your hovercraft, right? Right? That's something that might come up in JoJo's, right? Why are you clasping your hands to your head? This is a legitimate theory. So that brings us to the end of our episode. I'm doing my master's in engineering. This could work. Tune in next time to see if any of that happens. <laughs> uh, this has been JoJo's World, our JoJo's Bizarre Adventure recap and discussion podcast. I've been Liam S. Smith. And I'm Nick Ballantyne. Our theme music is Jotally by Milk Juice. <gasps> That's me. And uh, we'll see you next time for some more of that bullshit. <laughs> some crazy bullshit theories. And until then, to, to be, be continued. continued.
リーベ・デルチ